Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. sonobello.com slash save. sonobello.com slash save. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. All Hit Radio. Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back to the x everyone. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, x at x TV.com on all social media sites, x Radio TV. And if you'd like to check out the broadcast schedule that we have available for you, 724-365 on the x Broadcast Network, visit xzbn.night. And uh, as we always do each and every night, we are here on the Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, and X-Zone Broadcast Network. Wow, here we are, the end of October already. Where did the month go? Just seems like, you know, let's see, this month we've had more COVID problems. We've had two, Was Craig, is it two presidential debates? And then... Next week, everybody in the United States goes to the polls to cast their vote to see who is going to lead the United States of America in the next four years. That should be a very interesting night. And uh, In fact, that night, we are not doing our show because the network times have been purchased by the, um, by the different networks that we're going to be repeating into various parts of the world through our satellite network. Our guest this hour, Exonation, is Amelia Ion Karras, and uh, she is the author of Synchronicity, Unlock Your Divine Destiny, and is the founder of Know the Self, a mastery school for modern-day living, where she activates men and women to live with their purpose. Joining me now is Amalia, and uh, first of all, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Hey, Rob. Thanks for having me. I am originally from the Silicon Valley. I was born and raised in that area, the San Francisco Bay Area of California. And growing up, I um, had a number of Mm -hmm. strange phenomena, paranormal phenomena, spiritual experiences that um, the church in which I was raised, the born-again Christian sort of faith, didn't really have answers to my questions. So um, as a young adult, I set out and traveled the world and became this avid truth seeker. And 
wanted to really understand this kind of force that was guiding me somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's taken me on a, a path all over the world working with different um, teachers and starting and creating different businesses uh, to really find out, you know, find the truth for myself. And so now I um, said I culminated like my life's uh, work and experience of working with, you know, high tech and uh, and then in got into spiritual or eco communities with like living in harmony with the earth. And so I've sort of put all that together and started to share with people how they can ground such far out experiences because I found that, you know, it's happening to a lot of people. Um, they're, they're having questions or experiences that, you know, maybe their, their traditional faith or how they were raised mm -hmm. doesn't really answer. So I help people make sense of, of paranormal phenomena or the spiritual experiences that they're having. And then figure out where it's leading them and how to ground it into their work in the world to help them really master what they came here to do. Why do you think there's such an interest in today's society about the paranormal? Well, I think so many people are now having face-to-face -face experience with it that it can no longer be sort of swept away. Um, you know, I think it's easy to say people are crazy or you know, if they see a ghost or something like that. And because of the, the belief systems that we were raised in. And so now I think the veils are, are quite thin. There's so many unexplained mysteries and the internet is helping people sort of connect the dots or discover maybe different belief systems or ancient texts that maybe they couldn't have access to prior to the internet. Um, and so there's a lot of like cross-pollination and people sharing their experiences and it's helping to, to stitch together the great mystery. And yeah, I think everybody's like seeking truth, like wanting to know <laughs> where did we come from? Why are we here? You know, where are we, where are we headed? But what makes people think that in today's society, they're going to find the answers that scholars and mystics have not been able to discover over thousands of years? Well, I think there's a lot of um, answers that have been discovered that have been hidden from the the lay person mm -hmm. or, you know, for different reasons. And I think some of those answers are being revealed in these like ancient texts that were either undiscovered or hidden for various reasons. You know, I think religious um, sex kind of decided, you know, what, what the narrative was going to be about our spiritual inheritance. And I think these days, you know, people are really needing to understand like what, what they're made of. And I think now with science and spirituality, um, cross pollinating, like they're no longer siloed information, you know, everybody's sharing information and, and these boundaries or these, um, what used to be kind of sectors of society are, are talking to one another and different cultures are, are mixing, you know, people are traveling around the world, working with um, different oral traditions, places where there was rich history. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that it's just, a, you know, we're, we're gathering and collecting data and being able to sift data differently than we ever have been until now. You know, you said that a science working with and uh, I was wondering if you could give us some examples of science working with people who are seeking the answers. And, and if they're seeking the answers, what's, what answers have science actually found that could come answer some of these very mystical questions? Mm -hmm. I think quantum physicists have explained, you know, like the God particle and things like that. Um, they're, they're tapping into dark matter and they're seeing that, mm -hmm. you know, they're able to smash, um, atoms together and, yeah. and paranormal things are happening. So I think that through the physics and just, you know, our space travel programs, things like that, it's opening doorways and sort of expanding people's minds to what they 
what they thought was possible before. Like there's some scientific explanation to things. And also in the Vedic sciences, mm -hmm. you know, that are in the ancient um, Hindu texts, you can read a lot about things that, you know, in the Western worlds in science, we didn't, um, you know, take into account. You know, you said uh, something about quantum physics. Uh, they explain hypothetical hypothesis, but they have not, to this very date, proven anything. So how can we use quantum physics as a justification? I, I don't know if there's any sort of proof um, or justification. I think we're just getting closer. Um, I, I think science has us asking a lot of questions and then, you know, searching for answers. And I like to apply that to, you know, our spirituality or our human potential. I, I think there's so much that we don't know about mm -hmm. ourselves. Um, you know, just take the human body, for example, like we don't know exactly how we breathe. We're not consciously aware of our breath. It just kind of happens. Right? Oh, I, I, you know, I, 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 you know, I beg to differ with you there because uh, members of my family are in the medical profession and, mm -hmm. you know, they, they know how people breathe and why we breathe. They know the functioning. No, no, breathing. they we know also... how, yeah, but I'm saying like the, the normal person, we don't go around and have to tell ourselves to breathe. You know, we fall asleep and we go throughout uh -huh. our day without necessarily okay. like trying to breathe, right? It's, it's right. like, um, not everybody knows how electricity works. We just turn the light switch on and expect it to, but do to we turn on. Like, of course, there's people mm -hmm. who understand the mechanics of it, but it's just like there's there's so much in the unknown universe that until we really tap into it and work with it and study it, are we able to really, you know, discover things? So I think it, there's a whole area of the paranormal that's now you know, coming more to mainstream, people are, it's no longer just, um, you know, siloed out into, you know, religious text or, um, you know, the crazies on the fringe. There's, there's this whole mainstream attempt to, to make sense of things like, you know, poltergeist in people's house or feelings of um, different energies or just basic synchronicity happening in their life and dreams, lucid dreaming, astral travel, you know, all these things are coming to, to the, the mainstream media now. And I think it's really fascinating because so many people are having experiences and asking the questions that maybe, you know, 10 years ago, they weren't really asking. But how much I think people are seeking answers, like really seeking the truth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I understand people are asking these questions, but I've been doing the show now for over 30 years and I haven't mm -hmm. seen any I haven't seen any changes in the past 30 years. Everything is the same. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Nobody I, I find that more people are like awake what I'm noticing is that more and more people are maybe they're unafraid of talking about it. Um, hmm. Oh, I I, I understand there's more, more of a public awareness. I'll agree with you. I will agree with you there. But still, mm -hmm. no proof. Public awareness and interest. Um, well, yeah. This happens throughout yeah. the ages. But there Maybe have been... Maybe it's just a fad. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I, sometimes I think it is, and other times I, I think that there's more to it. However, mm -hmm. with all the technological advances that have happened over the past 30 years, I would think that there would have been significant research done and, and findings that would prove beyond the shadow of a doubt that certain claims of the paranormal are real. And yet, mm -hmm. nothing. More yeah, interesting. You know what, I'm, what I've come to find out is that, um, you know, there's people who seek for the proof outside themselves. But I think, you know, where I work mm -hmm. is for people who've had an experience and they don't know what happened to them and they're, they're confused. Um, for example, when I saw my first ghost, <laughs> I was quite young and it, it's freaky, you know, it's a very unsettling experience mm -hmm. and you think that you're making it up. And then when you find out that 
it's real. Um, you know, for example, I was in my, how old was I? I think it was in my late twenties and I was, uh, living in Japan at the time in the countryside. And I was walking to a friend's house late at night with no flashlight through a, a rice paddy field and a little hill to climb up to, to my friend's, um, little cabin in the woods. And on my way, I, I saw this grass area near a tennis court thing, you know, it's kind of like a retreat center. And I said, well, that's interesting. I feel something there. And then I saw this like apparition, like a see-through child. It All was right. like a five-year-old boy. Okay, stand by, dear. We've got to take our first break. Exxon Nation. Oh, sure. We'll be back on the other side with our guests this hour as we continue speaking about the strange, the weird, the paranormal and things that go bump in the night here in the X-Zone. And if you'd like to find out more about Amalia, visit her website, knowtheself.com. This is the X-Zone. I am Rob McConnell. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. is our special guest this hour. Her website is knowtheself.com. I'm sorry I had to cut you off there. We had to go to the commercial break, but tell us more about the first experience you had. Uh, you were in Japan at the time, and you were walking, and you saw yeah. something. A child, was it? The, uh, the translucent figure of a child? Yeah, it was, a, it was strange because it yeah. was a blonde kid, like mm-hmm. an American boy blonde blue-eyed boy well, I couldn't really make out the eye color but I could see the toe-head blonde about five-year-old kid just standing at, at the edge of the grass staring hmm. at me and it was a dark moon night so there wasn't a lot of light but he was a bit iridescent and I just got a spook so I I uh, ran into my friend's house which is I don't know about 500 yards away and I was out of breath and I said, whoa, I just saw the strangest um, thing. I saw this like little blonde five-year-old kid on the grass and he was cooking and he dropped the the spoon. He was stirring whatever, soup or something with, and he just dropped it on the floor and looked at me like he had seen the ghost. And he said, what did you say? And I said, oh, I, yeah, I saw a five-year-old blonde boy mm-hmm. at the, in the corner down there by the by the tennis courts. And he said oh my God, do you know the story? And I said, what story? And apparently an American family had lived there at the house near there um, a number of years prior and their son had drowned in a pond that was there. But when the, after this tragedy, they filled the pond with soil and now it's a grassy area. And that just gave me the chills. And I said, well, how come I saw him? He looked like, you know, he was, trying mm-hmm. to get me to help him. And then a few weeks later, I was talking with a guy, I was on a date actually, um, with a Japanese guy who didn't speak so much English. Um, and suddenly I said, you know, did your mom die when you were young? Um, and he looked at me strange and said, yes. And I said, were you 12 years old? And he said, yes. And I said, was she 33? And he said, yes. And I was like, wow, okay, she's talking to me. And 
she wants me to tell you something. And it was the strangest experience, but this guy knew exactly what to do because he said, oh, you're, you're a shaman. My grandma's a shaman, and I want to bring you to my grandmother. Um, so he understood my gift. I didn't. I, I thought I was making it all up, but it was fascinating for me. And so that made me pay attention to things. Now, prior to that, I had no belief in, in ghosts. I had a few paranormal experiences that kind of freaked me out, but I hadn't seen or spoken to them like that. And so that put me on a whole other trajectory <laughs> that continued for many years after. So would you consider yourself a, a psychic, a medium? Um, yes, I've had a lot of my gifts open. I don't work in that realm. I'm not I mean, I work in the realm in terms of I, I run a school and I help people wake into their own gifts. But what I found is like, uh, yeah, people used to come to me for, you know, to speak to their deceased loved ones and things like that. And it was fascinating um, for both of us. You know, it was like an exploration for me. Like, is this really your your deceased loved one? And mm -hmm. and then I realized, oh, I can help them. And, and that's I, I found that there was a reason for it. And. So what I do now is really help people who have awakened to their gifts and are afraid of them because it honestly feels more like a curse than a blessing. Like everyone else thinks it's cool except the person it's happening to generally. Um, for me, I wanted it to stop. I didn't particularly like it. Um, and then I felt, well, if I have this gift, like what's the point of, of using this? How can I use it to help people? Um, and so that sort of put me on, you know, the last few decades of, of helping people and assisting them with just grounding this kind of strange, bizarre, mysterious nature of who we are and, and how we got here and where we go after we die and things like that. Uh, all right. So how do you help these people? For example, somebody comes to you and they have had a, a run-in with a spirit or a run-in with mm -hmm. a ghost. How would you help them to better understand that what they see may in fact be part of reality and that they're not imagining it. Yeah, it, well, it's important that people stay really grounded and rooted. So I don't work with anybody who's um, partaking in any kind of mind-altering substances or um, drinking alcohol and things like that because uh, even taking um, different pharmaceuticals that alter the, the mind balance because that can be a false reality. So only people who are sober and clear and, and really ready to see what it is or why they're having these experiences. And then it's important that they learn um, how to stabilize. So when we awaken to like our multidimensional nature, it's very unsettling and it can throw your life out of balance. A lot of people start feeling like they're freaking out or some people just go seek medical attention and start taking, you know, they think that they're going crazy. Um, mm -hmm. So I just help them with a series of practices, like how they can, you know, truth test and learn how to trust themselves and trust their guidance. And I, I define like four levels of self-mastery in my school. So there's like um, the, the student level, the apprentice level, the adept and the mentor. So as your gifts awaken, um, you go through the, what I've found is you go through these four levels um, to really come into a place where you can actually trust what you're seeing. And it, you know, it has to be repeatable. It's like um, applying sort of a spiritual science perspective to what's happening to you. So you can dissect it and break it down into like ways in which you can still stay grounded and, and be responsible for your life and, and not just like fly up in the clouds. Sure. <laughs> In your opinion, what is the best way to stay grounded? Um, I teach people a grounding exercise and, and how they can work with their energetic bodies. So what I found in, in my vision awakening is that we're much more than our, our human form. Our, we have these energy bodies that um, expand around our physical body. And the, the, our energy body is actually informing our physical body. So if we have, you know traumas and things that happened to us as a child or shame it lives in the energetic body and if it's not healed or dealt with um it kind of creeps through the energetic bodies the like 
layers of energy around your your physical form and it enters into the body as as disease so first we need to address you know past traumas and things that have happened and really uh, go back in time and and clear the energy forgive the people that harmed you and come to a place of um, balance and understanding like why bad things maybe happened to you or to clear the victim consciousness um, and from there you can start to really ground you know, who you are, what you're here to bring forward and like what is your truth. Um, until that happens, it's a, a wobbly ride. Does everyone have this awakening or is it only certain people that have something that triggers this special awakening? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that um, not everybody has it. I don't think it, it's for everyone, but I do think many of us right now especially are are here to be a part of what you know has been termed by like joanna macy as the great turning um sort of the changing of the ages or the the dawn of the satya yuga in the vedic tradition um i think many of us have come to bring forth solutions at this time to kind of heal humanity of its ills or illnesses things that didn't work out so well and i think many people are are realizing that they're much more than they were taught that they were you know it's not just about you know the family you were born into or the the degrees that you have or the skills that you have but there's actually you know an essence that you carry and something very like an innate genius that i think everybody has um and i think that it's a often a trigger event that awakens this. I think some people um, have had it awakened from childhood and other people, they need like a near-death experience or a debilitating disease or often people find it through partaking in psychedelics or something like, or spiritual seeking, like doing a lot of meditation can make it happen. Um, so yeah, I think Definitely difficulty and hardships, a divorce, a breakup, a death of a loved one can all be trigger events. Over the years of doing what you do, have you, have you come to some sort of conclusion as to what the purpose of life is? Well, <laughs> I mean, for myself, yes. And do I think it's the absolute truth? Uh, no, it just helps me keep going and, and not fall into like some dark depression. Because I think right now, you know, so many people have lost hope or, or they're wondering, like, they're sick of the grind. They're sick of just hustling all the time. They're burnt out, stressed out in unhappy relationships and things like that. And I think in order for us to really find um, true happiness or a state of bliss and, and create and cultivate love in our lives, we need to um, find a purpose for our life, like what helps us get out of bed in the morning and gives us a drive. And for me, that's, you know, how to be of service to the greater good. Like if you're not part of the solution, then I think you're part of the problem. So what are you going to do? Like, wh in which way are you going to uniquely serve? And that's what I help people discover. But isn't it better for people to discover this on their own? They have to do it on their own. It's, it takes work. Mm -hmm. um, I just give them the tools and, and the guidance. And as a seer, I, I can help uh, guide them into their own practice and then help them confirm it helps ground them so they don't feel like they're they're crazy when they're seeing things um, you know meditation has become sort of a widespread practice right but people don't really talk about what happens when you meditate or when you actually find meditative states of mm -hmm. mind you're opening all kinds of portals to other dimensions and there's not a lot of teachers who talk about what to do with that information uh, and that's where I come in and help people like navigate what's happening to them in their, <clears throat> excuse me, meditative states or in their dream states. So like you... how to manage or, or just even track their own experiences. So it's just tools and practices, but they, they will see it for themselves. You called yourself a seer. How would you define that? Mm -hmm. 
I define a seer as someone who can see the space between the physical reality. So, you know, if we were standing face to face, you know, I would see your body, but mm -hmm. then I would also be able to see a lot of different things in the what most people say is invisible space. It's actually full of information. So, um, personally, I see what I would consider the morphogenetic field and a lot of um, different things at different times. It depends on what state of mind I'm in. If I'm in right. a deep meditative state, I see a lot. Um, in my waking talking state, it's more um, shadow stuff that I see, like um, hidden motives, different um, thought processes. I, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. All right, Emily, please stand uh, by. We've got to, to, Emily, to Emily, we've channel. got to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Please stand by. Exonation, if you'd like to get more information about Emily, visit her website, knowthelf.com. And we'll be back on the other side of this news as we continue right here in the Exxon from our broadcast center studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. If I said I didn't have the blues In the corner there's a couple dancing From the kitchen I can hear them laughing Oh, I wish I was celebrating too Welcome back, everyone. Don't forget the X-Zone TV channel is available exclusively on Simul TV, and that's at www.simultv.com. And for all the latest programming information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network and the great programming we have available for you 24-7, 365, with our compliments, visit www.xzbn.net. We're talking about spirituality tonight. We're talking about, let me see, ghost paranormal experiences, what the meaning of life is. And, of course, all the month of October, here is Halloween month. So to each and every one of you, happy Halloween. Amelia is our special guest. Her website is knowtheself.com. And um, based on your experience and your abilities to see beyond this realm, what happens to us when we die? Mm. Yeah, well, I, I can explain what I have noticed from my own past life regressions and past life recall okay. where I've experienced death and then saw what was on the other side. And, and then when I communicate with deceased people, they explain to me, do I know what's true? I don't know. I, I think always it feels so surreal and, and very classical, but there is, um, I have experienced for myself um, hundreds of times, if not thousands actually, in all my sessions I've done for other people, that there is um, a transcendence of the soul. You know, when my father died, I saw him his soul actually leave out the back of his head oh, wow. like a jellyfish. Mm -hmm. It was a really strange phenomena. Um, that's actually the moment that my vision opened. Um, but I saw his soul, like I, I, you know, he was taking his last breaths and then suddenly this sort of jelly like jellyfish, like shimmery thing came out the back of his head and started moving up to the sky. Um, and then it, it sort of turned and, and 
and morphed and these three <laughs> uh, golden packages fell down from the sky into me, which was strange. So I guess it was like a inheritance, <laughs> a spiritual inheritance of sorts. But um, what I found in the in-between lives state, like people have a choice. Um, they're often greeted. It, it really depends on the way someone dies, honestly. Like there's different ways. You know, if somebody committed suicide, it's going to be very different than if um, someone was killed in an accident and their shock and trauma. Often that's what leads to people hanging out in the astral realms as ghosts or poltergeist type energies. Um, but someone who has a, a peaceful death or a conscious death and knows they're dying and transcends is often greeted by um, someone that they know or a spiritual guide, depending on their belief set. Mm -hmm. And um, they're escorted and they're explained, you know, like you've passed away and this is where you're going. And it really depends on the level of the soul. You know, if it's a ascended soul, it's going to return back to um, its original home in, in the star system uh, where they get to uh, sort of recalibrate all the lessons that they've gathered and they review the life, um, see if they've fulfilled the mission, <laughs> their soul mission on this lifetime. Most people come to Earth as a, a volunteer or here to learn specific uh, karmic lessons or things that will help them um, back in wherever they came from. But there's, there's so many different variations of that. But the similarities are that um, your guide, your often greeted by something, someone that, that loves you um, or that's guiding you into the next phase. And for there is like a kind of what I would call like a purgatory state. A, a lot of souls rest in for a while, which is they're, they're able to choose like which um, age was the most, uh, like the highest life, the, the high, high point of their life. For example, my dad um, chose to be 33 and my grandmother chose to be in her twenties. And it was so strange when I first interacted with my deceased ancestors, cause they were all different ages. Um, not at all the age when they died. And I was wondering why. And I asked them and they said, Oh, we get to select what, what age we are. And they were living in, um, a parallel earth that looked very much like earth, but less people, more, fecund, like uh, there was a lot of greenery. It looked just like San Francisco Bay Area, but without the people and the pollution in the buildings. And they were chosen a, a profession. But I later found out that this was just a temporary um, place for the soul to rest and recover and really understand that they have passed on. And then hmm. I was um, guided to help them move to other levels. So there's many, many stations in the dimensional realms, um, places that we go to and our, our soul continues to journey. It's quite fascinating. Um, I don't know if we'll ever know exactly what happens until it's, it's our turn, but I think through meditation, through near-death experiences or past life regression work, whether it's spontaneous or you go to a regressionist, you get that experience for yourself. So it's quite fascinating. You know, uh, the, the passing of your dad that you shared with us, the, mm -hmm. the jellyfish entity that, that, that exited his body, I, I find that rather unique because I've never heard that before. Mm. So when you see, so would you say that the jellyfish was the essence of your father was actually the spirit that you were that you were uh, witnessing escaping the body that's what it seemed like yeah and it was so strange and i was i was in the room with maybe mm -hmm. six other family members and we were all standing around his hospital bed and i jumped on his legs when i saw it leaving because it was so weird and i was trying to like hold it in the body for something like it was just an instinctual response it, you know, later I was thinking, why did I do that? Mm -hmm. But I, I literally jumped up onto his feet to like hold it in the body. And then I watched it leave and everybody else was, you know, looking down and crying. And I was in this state of awe and wonder and kind of 
ecstatic bliss, which felt so strange for me because I thought I should be screaming and wailing and crying. You know, I just lost my dad. But it, the magic of it, the the strange, I don't know, phenomena of it was so beyond what I would have ever, I don't know. It was the first time I ever saw someone pass. So I didn't, I was wondering, did everybody else see that? And, you know, nobody wanted to talk about that at the moment. They were grieving. Has anyone? So, but I stayed in that state of, uh, you know, ecstatic sort of uh, sensation. And my eyes from that moment on mm-hmm. were totally different. Then I started to see be, be, be in between all the time. And it, it wouldn't turn off for many years. I couldn't get it to, to turn off. It was like too much information. So have you had the, the experience of communicating with your dad since his passing? Yeah, for about um, nine months after he passed, mm-hmm. he was harassing me um, pretty much all the time, talking to me nonstop. He died um, unexpectedly with uh, a lot of unfinished business without a will and things like that. And he wanted me to um, communicate on his behalf. And there was no way I was going to do that because, you know, already my family uh, doesn't believe in such things. But um, it turned out that a lot of people were having dreams and he would say, you know, ask his sister, my aunt, he would say, you know, ask her about the dream she had last night, tell her it's real, and that I purposefully told her that. So I would say, okay, I'm having these experiences, and he's talking to me all the time, Mm -hmm. and he told me this, and she just broke down in tears, and she said, oh, how do you know that? Yes, he came to me in a dream, and then she confirmed he was very young and handsome, like he was, you know, in his 30s. And I said, that's how he's appearing to me. And then another woman who was a friend of his I didn't know her. She reached out to me and said, I'm having dreams of your father. Um, he's wearing this particular you know, suit and tie, and it's exactly how I was seeing him. So that confirmed. Uh, there were many confirmations that came. Uh, he would also tell, like when I was driving, uh, I was driving in a neighborhood where he grew up and I didn't know the streets. And I was about to look up a map um, on my phone and he said, no, I'm gonna tell you how to get there, trust me. So he would tell me, turn right, turn left, go straight. And I, sure enough, I got exactly where I needed to go. Um, so that was fun. So it was, it was fun, but it was also a really uh, scary at times. Has that been the most pivotal paranormal experience that you've had? Um, yeah, so I've had a, a lot really? of paranormal experience in my life, like pretty much nonstop since I was a child. But when he died and the, the two years that followed his death, um, it really changed my life. Yeah, it changed everything about my life. I, I ended up leaving technology and software. I was a software consultant mm-hmm. and moving to India, seeking and searching for yogis and mystics and uh, other seers to help me navigate because uh, it wouldn't turn off. Um, The senses were so strong and I really needed to understand what was happening to me. And I really just wanted them to stop, but I I couldn't work. Um, Money made no sense to me anymore. So I really, I just gave away everything that I owned. I didn't want any ties to the material realm. And I was wondering, like, am I supposed to be some, you know, yogi in the forest? But I didn't like people touching me. Even shaking hands was overwhelming for me because I would see all their deceased loved ones. And they were all, you know, wanting to to leave messages through Mm -hmm. me. And I, I learned that that's not okay, you know, because people would start crying, whatever I said, and that wasn't the impression I wanted to give people. You know, I didn't want to shake them up. Uh, so I had to tune myself, and I moved deep into nature and just meditated almost eight hours a day just to learn, like, what is this teaching me? Where is this taking me? Um, so I ended up living in India for eight years. Did you find the answers to the questions you were seeking? Um, I found a lot more questions. (laughs) I think what happens on the spiritual path is, you know, you open doors of perception Mm -hmm. and you, 
you start to make sense of them and ground them out. And then the next, the next level comes, you know? So for me, I'm always in a state of learning and, you know, returning to that student mind again and again. Uh, I don't think there's like we arrive at one absolute truth or the moment that we do something else comes and, you know, the cycle starts again at the next level. Um, but I do feel that I've gained a tremendous amount of experience and learned how to interact with, you know, life forms and sentience that was, I don't know, 20 years ago, I wouldn't have even believed existed. Um, and now it's quite common for me. So I think you're, your body has to acclimate and recalibrate to each experience. You know, if you come face to face with a ghost or an extraterrestrial, you know, the nervous system flips out, the mind flips out. Like a lot of things uh, don't compute. All right, stand <laughs> so by. We We've got to, to take our final break for this hour. And if you'd like more information, yeah. Nation, visit www.knowtheself.com. I'm Rob McConnell. This is The Exxon. We're coming to you from our broadcast centers in Niagara, Ontario, Canada, on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, and Mutual Broadcast Network. Don't go away. It's the right time of the night. The stars are It's the right time of the And welcome back, everyone. If you'd like to find out more about our guest this hour, Emilia, visit her website at knowtheself.com. Before you went to the, we went to the last break, you mentioned aliens or extraterrestrials. Do you also have interactions with them? I have, yeah, quite a few. Why do you think that you're able to have all these, all these different um, connections and experiences with, all of these different entities from different realms, uh, different dimensions. Why you? Um, well, I don't think it's only me. I think that partially um, my upbringing, I was raised uh, by a very fanatic born again Christian. So inside the, the faith, I, you know, as a child, I had a strong faith in God and I prayed mm -hmm. a lot uh, as a kid. And I was asking questions to the sky. I was constantly asking for proof. And um, I was also severely uh, neglected by my family. And we lived butting up to um, some Ohlone land and, and a hill and a sacred peak of the Ohlone Indians. So, um, you know, there's a lot of fighting and stuff going on in my, in my household uh, with my older siblings and my mother. So I would often uh, just roam the woods alone and pray and talk to God and all sorts of things would happen. And so I think that through my, I don't know, ability to be alone and quiet and deep in nature, and I had a deep sense of peace and connection, and I was always asking to see the truth. I want to see the truth. Um, I also had a lot of disappointments from authoritarian figures that I, you know, expected to, to live in a certain level of integrity. And they disappointed me, including my, my family members and people who were supposed to keep me safe. So I prayed a lot for divine intervention. And I think that's really all it takes is like, a, someone who really wants to see someone who, um, 
asks, you know, and has a clear intention, Mm -hmm. they're going to start to have experiences and see things. It's not that, um, you know, only I can, can see them, but I think it's also a part of my unique mission here, uh, which is to, to really guide people to understand that they're more than their human form. You know, we, we have a divinity inside us and, you know, I never really wanted to share my, my paranormal experiences, you know, maybe to a friend or two or to entertain someone, you know, here and there, but really they're so personal and it, it brings you into awe and wonder and a connection to the divine that is, is unique. You know, people who have a strong faith in God, you, how can they prove it? I mean, I don't know. They, they pray and they feel a presence or they have dreams and experiences or they feel a loving presence and connection and guidance. Um, so for me, it was that, uh, not always loving. I mind you, I had a lot of experiences with darker entities, darker beings. So I, they were my teachers. Um, maybe because I wasn't so parented or conditioned uh, in the sense that I was alone a lot as a child. Um, and, and just seeking, really seeking. Seeking what? Um, connection, like where, I don't know, I was fascinated, kind of obsessed with staring at the stars all night. Like I wouldn't go to sleep unless I could see the stars and I would talk to the stars and, you know, I was constantly memorizing the Bible. So it was like this sense of, you know, I have the faith to move mountains. And Mm -hmm. so I would say, you know, my faith is so strong, show me something. And that's when I saw my first UFOs, but I, I didn't know what I was looking at. I, you know, I was like six years old and the stars would dance and I would find it fun. And I didn't know if anyone else can see it. And then my sister and my best friend would spend sleep with me and I would show them that I could do this and communicate. And it, they were always, you know, in awe and wonder. Um, and it just continued with me my whole life. So I just always felt like I had friends in the stars and, and they've, been there to guide me. They're not all friendly, mind you. Uh, <laughs> and it has been an interesting uh, experience, but I, I don't think I'm the only one. I think it just, the only, I, I want to remember, I, I know I have a lot of um, lost memory as well, things that have been very traumatizing that, that are hard to kind of recall and bring back. Um, but, it, it seems that yeah, it I seems think, that your religious mm-hmm. upbringing has certainly had a significant role in your life. But doesn't your religious teachings kind of say that what you're saying and what you're seeing is part of of the negative factor of life? I don't I don't follow what you mean. Okay. You believe in God? Um, I believe that we are all from a divine source. So I don't have, I don't okay. believe the Christian beliefs anymore, if that's what you're asking. It is. Uh, so what turned you off the Christian beliefs? Uh, the hypocrisy, the lies, um, the conditioning, the control, the... You know, as a kid, mm-hmm. I would ask questions that they couldn't answer, and instead of saying, I don't know the answer to that, they would you know, demand me to stop asking the questions or termed me disruptive. Um, so I really went against the the church quite, yeah, I left the church at 16. Um, and wow. then I started seeking outside and reading ancient texts. Ancient, I wanted to understand divinity, like what what is the truth? Why all these countries are fighting religious wars? And, you know, why, what do the Jews think? What are the... Muslims think, what, what is this Hindu religion and, and many gods? So I just started to do a lot of self-study and through my work with, you know, I, I worked in technology um, very young. So I got to work with some of the most genius people on the planet and some very powerful men also. And I started to see like, huh, like we're, there's something going on here that 
that religion can't answer, that science can't answer. And I just started to tap into that and really just keep asking questions. And, you know, I'd like to say to to all those who are listening, who've had some sort of paranormal experience and they, they feel scared to talk about it or they're not sure what's mm-hmm. happening to them or they feel cursed, like to really um, reach out that you can find me on my website, but um, to find someone who can help you really ground it. You're not alone, even though it's a very lonely experience. But I think a lot of people are persecuted and uh, kind of shunned by their families and friends uh, if they are having experiences or they're heavily medicated. The name of your book is very interesting. Synchronicity, Unlock Your Divine Destiny. How does synchronicity fall into the divine uh, destiny? Yeah, I think there's like, um, we talked about the timing or like something happening in -hmm. in your life to sort of trigger these events. I think synchronicity is one of those things like for people who are experiencing a lot of synchronicity that's normally the calling card that you're waking up to some innate genius to some some sort of unique gift that you have um it could be like an invention that you're going to bring forward um it could be that you're just tapping into your um your inner creativity and something some unique self-expression and i think people need to follow that and understand it it can also make people feel crazy and they get into this like over meaning thing. So we need to stay grounded about it. But I suggest, you know, people writing it down, tracking it, um, confer, you know, checking references and understand like who's guiding you. I would say that your own soul is guiding you towards, um, you know, golden doorways that are opening for you to follow. So it, it requires releasing a lot of the prior conditioning. Um, whether that was religious conditioning, governmental, community, familial, um, or just negative belief patterns that you have, you have to release a lot of that in order to to hear the call of your soul. Is it the calling of the soul, or is it the desire to the desire to understand and live in harmony with something that goes against your grain and your beliefs? Well, I believe that we're here to really embody our capacity, like to really awaken the human potential. I think there's so much more than, you know, we didn't, we're not here to just be slaves to a corporate system. I don't you know, believe to we work are. For other people's agenda, right? You see, I, I don't believe that. We, I don't believe, like that. I, I don't believe that's the truth. I really think that anybody who believes that we're the slaves to the corporate entities or to the government or people who just have a problem facing the reality of life. (laughs) Yeah, well, I think people feel conditioned, like if they're living into the expectations of their family, for example, like you need to be a doctor and do this, but maybe their soul came here to be a, I don't know, a musician and and a poet or something like that, right? They're, They're fighting their nature. So what I'm talking about is people just honoring their authentic self. And I think we would live in a much more dynamic um, and loving place, a, a more creative place. I think we're opening to like a new renaissance right now, where if, if everybody were here really understanding who they were and, and what, what their frequency brought to the table, what their unique voice brought to the table, we would have so much more solutions and more happiness and joy and love to share than people just like getting up popping, you know, antidepressants and going to work to pay their rent and slogging. A lot of people live like that, unfortunately. So I think when they really, when they're feeling like what more is, when they're asking what, why am I here? What, what's more to Mm -hmm. life? Um, How do I find my happiness? And then allowing and taking the time to be in nature. But but if you, but listen, um, if if you don't pay your rent, you're, you're going to find yourself on the street. So what do you do? Find, find yourself on the street yeah. and start singing Kumbaya? <laughs> no way. <laughs> you know? Well, that would be completely irresponsible. Yeah, I, I feel you. I think that's the other extreme of the pendulum, right? And unfortunately, that's what people do because they're, they get so burnt out that they just can't, they can't do it anymore. And they just unsubscribe and go in the other dramatic direction. I think we need to find a balance point. And, and I wish, you know... There was more, you know, I, I see now people are teaching meditation in school. I'm really 
proponent of that, like helping young people or people that are stepping into the workforce, like what, who are they? What are they uniquely bringing, you know, and kind of bringing in that entrepreneurial spirit and finding like what, how does their voice or their unique style or Mm -hmm. their unique expression um, add to government systems, education systems, banking, you know, my students are come from all walks of life, all vocations. I, I have people in the oil and gas industry or wow. working in satellites or bankers, financiers and healers. You well, know, I want to thank I want to thank you so much. We've great. run out of time for tonight. But Exxon Nation, if you'd like to get more information on our guest tonight, visit her website. And the website is knowtheself.com. Personally, I wouldn't waste my time. I think it's a lot of la, 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 la. I can't face responsibility. I can't face reality. So I'm just going to see aliens, visit with the ghosts, and watch the stars dance. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues. Hopefully not following the stars, ghosts, or aliens right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network. Don't go away. <laughs> 